Minds, a wine-centric podcast where two wine-loving friends take a look beyond what's in the glass. We dig a little deeper into the stories, the culture, and the history behind the wine. We even drink a little wine while we're doing it. I'm Julie Glenn. We also look at trends, and let me tell you right now, dry January is not one of them for me, and I don't think it is for you either, is it? This is not the year. (laughs) I'm Gina Birch, and you know what has been a trend, a huge trend over the last year, has been deliveries. Everything from toilet paper to food to wine, wine, wine. While we always like to encourage wine purchases from our local small business wine shops, the reality is sometimes you need a wider reaching outlet. You need to get things that you can't put your hands on on with the guys down the street. It also makes it a lot easier when you're gifting wine because who has wine shippers laying around, you know? Not me. (laughs) Well, enter wine.com, which I'm guessing had a pretty good year. Yes, indeed. Um, You know, I had a lot of wine.com boxes show up on my doorstep during the pandemic and many were gifts and it's a concept that I love. Well, joining us today from wine.com, our director of wine education, Gwendolyn Wilson Osborne and Wilfred Wong whose title is Chief Storyteller. No doubt he'll tell us some stories today. Thank you both for being with us. Hi, guys. Good to be here. Thanks for having us. So you guys are, uh, I I love this technology. We're spread across the country. I know Wilfred's in California and Gwendolyn, you're in Virginia. It's so great that we can connect this way. One thing that we learned this year, I think, is you can do a lot of things from just about anywhere. Right. You know, I've been to a couple of virtual wine tastings slash... um, uh, education things. I was on one with you, Gwendolyn, and I've also had some personal uh, happy hour wine tastings with Wilfred with uh, friends of mine who are in California <laughs> and all over. So it's been really uh, fun connecting with you guys and, and learning from you. And um, you both have such great experience in, in the wine business and great palates. And I know we're going to be talking a little bit about that today as well. Well, so Gwendolyn, I wanted to ask you real quick, when did you join wine.com? When did you get started with the company? Oh, gosh. I think um, I was doing some freelance work with them back around 2006 or seven when I first got to California. And then I actually opened our first retail, like actual physical walk into a door. It was a door to a warehouse that, that was our California warehouse, but we had some space for a retail outlet in Berkeley. And that was back in 2007. Um, that we kind of launched that off the ground. Um, eventually, um, it ended up kind of, we decided just to go back to online. It was, we were battling a few uh, regularities in the city of Berkeley as that can, that can be. Um, but, uh, but it was, it was kind of a fun uh, project to do. But after that, um, I moved into doing some uh, marketing and PR and um, educational things. So it's, it's been kind of up and down. Wine.com is constantly evolving and innovating. So I've had a number of different roles, right, Wilford? And, um, and 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 now I'm in my favorite one so far, which is getting to host these online virtual tastings that we do. We know during the pandemic, we heard so many stories of businesses that were crashing and, and wineries that were having a lot of trouble uh, getting their product to people because they were uh, mostly on-premise and if you didn't have an uh, – or off-premise, right? Did I get it backwards? Um, if they didn't have a direct-to-consumer – Off-premise retailers. Right, right. right. Then, then they were suffering a little bit. But uh, – um, I know that there were a lot of uh, businesses that were thriving and wine.com was one of them. How has that, how has your business and what you're doing changed over the last year? 
Well, I think that, you know, we've had to kind of, I think March, the mid to late March, we realized we were in, you know, had to get into Christmas mode yeah. in March and April. Um, Cause we were used to that kind of spike, just not at that time. Plus you add the um, limitations surrounding the fact that we're in a pandemic and you can't pack your warehouse full of workers right next to each other. Uh, you have to take into consideration so many people's health and uh, safety in a very different way than we've ever had to do. And also kind of dealing with expectations from our consumers, because it wasn't just us, the carriers, our third parties, such as UPS and FedEx, those sorts of things, they're also being taxed in a way that is, they aren't quite used to either. And so there were no, you know, there was... Uh, um, an uphill battle that, that kind of leveled off. Um, obviously, we're just, I mean, we're so grateful for being able to be doing well, understanding that there are so many out there that have struggled more. Um, so, you know, just being grateful for being able to be in a healthy spot as a business um, and also trying to manage that, that all the things that, that come with it. So, Of course, it hit right there at the very beginning of summer. And you know, there we are in spring and March going into summer. Summer's not an ideal time to have wine sitting on your front doorstep <laughs> well they do require signatures and luckily people are always home so well there you go a, they're not going to be sitting there too long under, usually people would get those little stickers that said sorry we missed you and those were a lot more rare um, um during the summer and and wine.com also allows you to choose a date of delivery again during this time we really emphasize the fact that it's an estimated date of delivery because there are certain things we, that are out of our control once it leaves our warehouse, but um, there were a lot more opportunities for people to be around and mm-hmm. receive those wines. When you mentioned um, warehouse, and that's some something that uh, we were kind of wondering: how does this all work? Uh, do you are you a distributor? Uh, are you more of a broker? Are you a little of both? Uh, how yep. do you get all of that wine? Because you've got such a huge. So we have different warehouses throughout the country because of state laws. So it's illegal to ship from California to New York, say. So we end up having a warehouse in certain states where we need to. And sometimes that also helps just that I don't want, we don't want to necessarily ship wine from California to, let's say, um, I don't know, uh, trying to think of like the Northeast, somewhere around there, because that's a long trip for wine. And so being able to have kind of, I guess, a hub there to service states that we can ship into, um, we try to distribute that through our warehouses based on location. Um, you know, that said, that means that when you do go to our site, it's important to choose where you're shipping because you really want to make sure you get the correct inventory and pricing because that may vary just based on states and um they're all in control when it comes to alcohol and uh distribution but we are a retailer only we we don't um service restaurants or anything like that we service the consumer and we try to give the consumer as much selection as we can um so like you were saying we also i mean i I still occasionally go down to to wine stores as well um because i love talking to people about wine and learning about what they might be drinking but we also try to have a lot for people so that somebody might want to do a tasting of 10 different Gruner Veltliners. We're going to be like, yes, we want to be there for you. <laughs> um, you know, so, so trying to do that, we have a, a chat service. So we do have online uh, wine experts, if you will. They're kind of in the industry in some way, but they know and love wine. They love talking to customers on chat to help them find what they're they're looking for. But, but yeah, so when you go online, you are the consumer. We are selling to you as a retailer. And then we're trying to just kind of 
mush out all those pain points that can come with shipping wine online. That whole three-tier thing, I'm wondering how much of a surprise the three-tier system was to you when you started getting more and more involved in uh, wine.com. And how- yeah, it definitely changed because before I had just been a consumer. I yeah. had worked in kind of wine journalism and writing. So you write about wines, you think about wines, you talk about wines, but then you get there and you're like, wait, why can't I just ship it there? Or why yeah. does it cost more when you want to ship it to Florida? Like what, it, why is that? And does it taste better there? I, you know, just as, um, <laughs> it, there, it, it, so. it's a very <laughs> antiquated system. I know that, that there are legal aspects that need to be in place when you're thinking of something um, like shipping alcohol or as a substance but uh, yeah you just kind of learn all these odd intricate things that came out of the 1930s yeah yeah post-prohibition good times um well, it was better times than during Prohibition, let's just say. But yeah. um, that is a hard thing to figure out how to navigate. Um, so can you ship to all 50 states? No. No? no we cannot. And, and it's, that's kind of always changing, too, because certain states will possibly change their laws to say, okay, we're going to really enforce our laws. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they've had laws that they've never enforced because they would be so outdated. Um we're really going to enforce our laws, but we're going to allow wineries to ship and not retailers. We'll become more strict. So there's certain states that we were shipping to that then said, okay, let's, we, we want to, uh, we're going to, we're going to change this. And, you know, a lot of times it has to do with um, lawsuits or money, yeah. um, things like, you know, but Taxing. yeah, there are yeah. certain states that we still cannot ship to. I, I think we're at 43 that we can, mm-hmm. um, but there, there are some that are still not permitted. So you're a retailer, so then you end up having to buy then from distributors mm-hmm. or importers, correct? Or, or direct yeah, from. It's that three tiers. So the importers end up having a wholesaler. I think you know in our California mm-hmm. warehouse, you have other opportunities to sometimes buy directly from a winery, but but then we'll be using their wholesaler out when it comes to. Okay, I'm sure it. that smaller uh-huh. retails appreciate that that ends up keeping the price pretty much the same for everybody. It kind of levels the playing field a little well, bit. What we do, we we yeah, we are definitely not a discount. Yes. And we don't want to do that necessarily to wineries either. Yeah. Um, you know, as much as we like to pass along, like we're getting deals, we like to pass along deals to consumers. Um, but we also want to respect certain, you know, there are wineries out there or other retailers who have, uh, you know, pricing in a certain place. We're not trying to undermine that. We like to, because there is no actual price regulation necessarily no. or fixing in the wine business. So it can really vary. Mm-hmm. So we, we try to just, you know, keep it as honest as possible and you have a flash flash sale site don't you well, no we used to okay you don't um, anymore we ended yeah we had that was kind of right after the recession i oh, think yeah. we launched the 10 or 11 uh wine shopper when there were a lot of wineries trying to do deals and we would do deals on yeah. uh, larger quantities of wine but that's it's that's it's not really there was i mean that was where some deep discounts that were coming out and now i think that we've kind of gotten back to an even keel so we really just want to offer that on the website if we're able to get so you've got um, all these different wines and different uh, regulations for different states and the taxes and different pricing, and, and that, that's, I'm sure it's a nightmare at times. But how many wines uh, across the board do you, ha- do you have or selections at any given time? At any given time, in our largest warehouses, which are, which are California and New York, we can have up to 15,000 unique SKU, uh, wow. excuse, wines um, available and I think, and Wilfred, I'm not sure if you know the exact number, but I believe we go through at least a million different throughout the year. Um, 
but but it kind of varies when you, when we get down to Christmas and everything, we're much more concerned about actually getting you the wine on time. So we're not actively adding new wines and and trying to, mm -hmm. to do that. So you might see a different number of inventory. And right now it's January and we're we're replenishing right. <laughs> after the December um, um, rush. So uh, you'll see um, lower. But we're constantly trying to add uh, wines because we're not. As a retailer, we don't want we don't want to be a gatekeeper. We want to be able to offer you everything, right. and that is the one bonus of of not the only one, but the one of the bonuses of having an online store. We're not limited by that shelf space. Um, we're able to offer just quite a number of things. So, Wilfred, do you help decide what wines are brought in? I know you do a heck of a lot of <laughs> tasting. I think when I was on a call with you, you'd mentioned you went through three thousand five hundred different wines last year, trying them. That's incredible. Well, I taste, and uh, I taste a lot of wines, um, and I take care of our merchandising department as our buyers of what they need to have me taste. I also taste wines as a just as a taster, as a critic and a taster. So um, I am I'm constantly tasting wines, and sometimes they end up stuff that the buyers say, "Oh, you know, I'll buy this. You know, we'll add this to our selection," but I don't. I'm not involved in any of the selection of our product. I just taste a product and then I let the buyers, the suppliers, and wholesalers, and let them fight over it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> let them do the dirty work. Um, yeah. So I want to ask you, Wilfred, how do you see wine evolving in light of numerous amounts of uh, consolidation in the wine industry and producers who are making wine almost more as a commodity? and less as the romantic ideal that we have of wine and the story and all that stuff? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, there are a there's a huge amount of um, commodity wines. In fact, most wines are commodity wines, maybe upwards of 90%. I don't know. I don't have exact number. It's a very small, uh, the geek wines or the, the special rare, I can't find this wine. Those are really for a small audience. Uh, most people, there's a reason why Mayomi Pinot Noir is such a popular Pinot Noir. It's easy drinking. Maybe it has a little sugar in it. And it's, um, <laughs> a little. Maybe a little <laughs> vanilla extract and, and or Syrah. Uh, maybe a little Zinfandel <laughs> in there and maybe Syrah. And, but it's it's loved by people because it's easy drinking and it's 1999-ish ballpark price. Mm -hmm. So um, that's what America drinks. Primarily, I know that kind of wine. I got to be honest; I used to sell that back in the day. Did you? That was <laughs> one of your skews. I felt bad. <laughs> well, you know, it's changed. It's like well, a lot of brands it. who've changed over the years as as they've been sold and 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 the contracts with grapes mm -hmm. uh, come up and they get different things and they try to maintain a certain flavor profile. It's mm -hmm. it's a uh, remember yeah. when conundrum was great. <laughs> oh my god! One year. Yeah, one year, a million years ago. Like, what was that, like 92, maybe? Maybe. Yeah. Or or yeah, was were our taste buds different then? You know, I, I don't know. When, when you, As wine changes, and did, yeah, we we ch did the wine change, or did we? Did our taste buds yeah, change? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, do you remember that white Zinfandel? I used to call that that's people's gateway wine, mm -hmm. and now it's more like Moscato. But it can also be Mione, and maybe that's their, their entry into loving wine. And, and that's their, their jam. Might evolve, and, and Kevin, maybe they don't, and that's okay. 
What are people drinking right now? Are, are you seeing trends with what the ordering? I mean, are we seeing a lot of Malbec or a lot of California Cab? Or uh, are you are you able to see something, or is it kind of all over the board? Um, well, just you know, one thing that was interesting is that um, for Wine.com, just during this time, because obviously we got a lot of new uh, customers and consumers who didn't necessarily buy online, and typically we've always skewed red just we've always been more for people kind of i guess stocking up on red wine white wine is often that grocery store purchase like day Mm -hmm. of um but especially during the summer during the pandemic our numbers for white wine went up greatly um i think chardonnay is still the number one seller but also you know sauvignon blanc and and some some others um so you know that's it's, it's it's a balance but i i think that you know people um our typical bottle average price uh, on a non-pandemic year <laughs> is around, uh, the average price is around $28. I, would, I wouldn't say that's the median price, but that would be the average once you average them out. I do think that the majority of people are coming in, but they're usually spending between, like that sweet spot is between $15 and $20. It's the everyday drinking, but it's not the $6 um, Kirkland brand from Costco, mm-hmm. which my friend had me try yesterday um <laughs> she was like well you have to try it you just have to it's like, okay it, t- it tasted like so i blocked i was like hey if you are spending six dollars on a bottle of wine and you are needing one of those every night go for it yeah, um, right. but um um yeah so I, you know trend wise i think that people are you know one sticking to what they they know but i you also see some experimentation you know just people probably get a little bit outside the box with more um more choice, more opportunities to try something new, more time to be like, you're out, I'll throw that in the cart. I'm at home every night this week and <laughs> let's do it. Right. Are you, um, are you but, doing, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to ask, I was going to throw it to Wilford to see oh, just yeah. from his paintings. Well, for sure. Um, people are looking to the tried and true. People are drinking more. Uh, what I really see, and I've talked to consumers as well, uh, not often, but I do talk to them and um, uh, they want things that they can drink that's easy to drink and they can pronounce and uh, like Cabernet Sauvignon and Chardonnay. Uh, I think those are enjoying a good spike. The predictable wines are, uh, but there's uh, there's always going to be an element of people looking for the different wines. And one thing about from wine.com is that when someone orders, hopefully our uh, our people on on, on on recommendations group will say, hey, you should try this wine from Italy from uh, or this or this or Alteology or something. And uh, so one of the good things about what we do, our company, is we can help expand the, the consumer's choice uh, horizon of wines because they're at home, as Gwendolyn just said, and they're, and they're surfing and they're on, the, they're comfortable. Instead of going into a, to a store, and you know, um, when you go into a brick and mortar store, you're you're subject to the limitations of the actual store. So if you go looking for a um, Sancerre, you may only find one, if that. But I might not come. You can find like dozens <laughs> or more than that. I don't know how many how many Gwendolyn do we have? Usually, you would probably hit up about like. 15 to 20. I'm not sure where we are right now. Two weeks into less than two weeks into the new year trying to replenish. Well, you mentioned my favorite region. Um, <laughs> I was so I was like, I have to hop in. <laughs> and I got to say, I've always like looked around in the Alto Adige part of your um, website. And that's 
what I order most of the time. You mentioned, um, you know, we're in our comfort zone when we're at home and we're we're doing some of these and ordering online. And, and you, you guys have done a lot of the virtual uh, education and tastings. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're planning to do more of that in this year. Yeah. Yeah. We were just kind of, we're, uh, working on putting a few together, hopefully starting by, um, you know, last couple of weeks of January. This, they're a lot of fun. I have to, I have to say that, you know, anyone listening and, and they want to learn and Gwendolyn is so good and, and you can order the wines. It's, it's very professional, very well done. I think it's a, a great platform to, to participate. And they're all in. available on YouTube still. Or YouTube oh, good. All right. Channel. They're still up there and you can still usually, almost all the wines are still available to buy in, you know, whatever three pack, two pack that you, that you get. but there's some really interesting people. It's also really cool, the anonymity of uh, being online. You know, sometimes you go in a brick and mortar and you just are going to have somebody giving you the big sniffy look whenever you grab the Mayomi. So I'm going to make fun of myself for being such a snob. But, I mean, you know, there's just a little bit of intimidation factor when you're going into a smaller place sometimes. And, of course, it depends on the quality of the people that they have working there. Usually if you're working in a small wine shop, you care about it a lot. But there is some anonymity that I think a lot of people would appreciate uh, being able to poke around online and do research there and order there. Yeah, yeah. Or as my husband says, you can all do it from your fuzzy slippers at home. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got a, a question that um, that I've been wanting to ask, too, is how do you narrow down? How do you get all the selections? You said at some point you might have 15,000 SKUs. Uh, do people come to you? Do you guys go out and seek the wines? Uh, you must have a bunch, like we were talking about with Wilfred, uh, tried uh, over 3,000 last year. Um, how do you How do you connect the dots with that and make the decisions on what to carry? Well, we don't taste the wine before we carry it. That's not, we're not trying to, like I said about the gatekeeper kind of thing, we're not trying to taste and be like, oh, we're not going to carry that. Otherwise there'd be numerous wines we wouldn't have on our site. Um, um, So again, we're we're trying to offer the most selection. So usually we look for um, wines from people we were usually working with before, but we're always open to meeting um, other importers or or distributors, if you will. uh, wholesalers um, to try to do wines. And usually those are presented to our buyers. And so what we're looking for is, you know, reliability on, if you say that it can be there that day, let's make sure you're able to get the wine to us. How much do you have available? Can you um, make sure that we have at least a case on hand and, you know, just working out pricing and things like that. We, you know, if it's something new or really different, we might, um, you know, hoping for maybe some sort of score or a lot of content we really love people who um, give us content so that people can come on and learn that story behind the wine mm-hmm. sometimes and Wilfred obviously when he does ratings he tells great stories as he does those um so you know we really want that videos images a, a story about the place a story about um, the winery so that people can kind of have this more confidence in in choosing something that might be new or different for them mm-hmm. all right mm-hmm. Do you have a, do either of you have a favorite wine right now or, or region or uh, supplier or something that's really like, I know that's asking like, who, who's your favorite child, right? I hate when people ask me that. So I'm going to ask you that. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I've been, I've been drinking a lot of champagne over the of past course, holiday. As you should. Um, we just got a couple cases of that and, and we, we moved. And then, you know, I've actually, um, I love these virtual tastings that I've been doing. I have discovered some new favorites doing them. So um, the one that I did with Holiday Entertaining 
um, with Ray Isle and Carrie McNeil and Kevin Zrealy. I've been drinking the uh, Chateau La Nert, Le Cassan. It's a Cotillon, mm. and it's oh, nice. delicious. Ray Isle called it like you know a couch by the fire kind of wine, and it, it I mean, it's just it's really like you just curl up next to the fire with it. But it, it was great with a burger. It's great with we brought it somewhere with smoked ribs the other day. I mean, it was just it's a food friendly wine. It's easy drinking, but in a warming complex way so and you have um, a case of that on hand right now <laughs> I, I do I, well, I have six okay yeah. <laughs> oh yeah we definitely have them online yes okay oh, that's a great thing too is that when we do do virtual tastings we, we stock up so that consumers can yeah. come and purchase i'm ordering them. right now on my phone <laughs> yeah the leonard and um and i've been, been enjoying i i love i love good chardonnay and uh, we had a Santa Barbara Chardonnay, the Tyler on there, and we bought some more of that. I've just been enjoying Santa Barbara Chardonnay a lot too. Well, French. Well, I have three areas that I actually concentrate on um, aside from my day job uh, would be um, Chablis, you know, and primarily in the Premier Cru area because they're usually slightly more affordable and really. Much better than AOC, and maybe not as rich as, as Grand Cru. Then I also like to um, explore Central Coast and the Sierra foothills, because those two areas have a have a bunch of really small artsy artisan producers who are making wines from uh, uh, you know Viognier, uh, Albarino, and all kinds of um, 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 grapes that aren't on the uh, normal flow chart of most consumers. So if I can find something good there, then, and if we carry it, then then I will post it on Instagram and get people into it. Well, we're getting the big notification from Zoom that we're running out of time. So <laughs> I've really enjoyed oh. talking with you guys. This yes. has been a lot of fun. Yes, as, as well. well. Well, thanks very much for for having me and both of us. Yes, yeah. Wilfred Wong and Gwendolyn Wilson Osborne from Wine.com. We can find you guys online. I know you each have your own um, ventures and, and web pages and, and things as well it's where you do your wine musings. So we can uh, find those. Do you want to plug them real fast? Uh, sure. I'm at, um, at yeah. Gwendolyn's Glass is my Instagram. Gwendolyn's Glass. Well, I have a few different ones. but <laughs> Of course. My... <laughs> My Instagram is basically Willie Boy SF, like Willie, like like as Willie Mays, mm-hmm. boy, like 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 my like who I am, and <laughs> SF for the city. That being said, all right, yes. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys both so much. Well, thanks, thanks as well. Bye. Hey. Have a great day, you guys. Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our producer for online media is Tara Calligan. Great Minds theme music is from Kansas City band Victor and Penny. The song is You'd Be So Nice to Come Home To by Cole Porter. To get in touch, check us out at greatminds.org. For Julie Glenn, I'm Gina Birch. Thanks for listening. Under stars, chilled by the winter. Under an August moon burning above.